Welcome to another edition of the Lodell Foodies here on Wednesday, May 29th. I'm your host, Mike Rowland. We have a very special guest today. We work together, and I actually met him for the first time last week in Austin, Texan at the, Texas, excuse me, at the delivery convention. Uh, the executive director of Delivery Drivers Incorporated, Adam Dodge. Thanks a lot for coming on, man. How's it going? Mike, it's uh, great to be with you today, man. It was great to see you in Austin. Like you said, we met face-to-face for the first time. It was great to see Dan there. The only thing was missing was uh, was Papa Roland. I know. Pa- Bob Roland didn't make it down to Austin. I was. Uh, I, he'll have to be there next year, Adam. But what I did you so. think of the, the food down at the convention? Oh, man. Austin. I've been to Austin uh, a half a dozen times or so, and it is a fantastic food city for sure. Um, oddly, my favorite restaurant there, I didn't make it to this last trip, is a pizza place. And when you think Texas, you don't necessarily think pizza, but there is a restaurant there called Home Slice Pizza that is amazing. And I've, I've been to New York, I've been to Chicago, um, I've had it all. My, my in-laws are legitimately Italian, and the best pizza I've ever had is, is Home Slice Pizza. Get Home out of here. That's a bold Austin. statement, yeah. Adam. So it beats New York and Chicago pizza. And you live in California, right? Uh, right. So, you know, the, our, the, the, the menus that we have in California for pizza aren't anything to get too excited about. Um, you know, we've, we're, the, the, the worst thing about living in Orange County, uh, California specifically, is we don't have mom and pop restaurants. It's all chains. Um, and so you have to... You have to get to L.A., you have to get to downtown San Diego, you have to get up to San Francisco um, to get, you know, that that real good home cooking, those type of, uh, of restaurants. Why but, is that? Why aren't there any mom and pop spots, would you say, where you live? That's a great question. It's just a giant suburbia here. So um, it's res- in my town. I live in the town of Mission Viejo, California, which is approximately one hundred and seventy five thousand people. And it's all residential. I mean, we, we literally have no businesses. We have no, uh, the only businesses we have are uh, retail businesses. So we have restaurants, grocery stores, we have a mall, we have a movie theater and things like that. We have no office space. We have none of that stuff. Um, and so it, it is, it just is what it is. I think it has to do with suburbia. It has to do with a lot of transplants. What's successful here is brands that people know. And, and that's what moms want, a lot of soccer moms and things like that. Uh, it's just the way it is, you know. It, it, so I got to get out, you know. I got to get to all places like Austin, Texas, get up to San Francisco, get up to Seattle and, and get my eating in, in there. But, yeah, Home Slice Pizza, Austin, Texas, if you haven't been there, go. And then, of course, the barbecue. Um, the last night of the convention, we went to Cooper's which is a a small spot downtown Austin on Congress street. That was excellent as well. Let me ask you something about the barbecue, Adam, because I'm a big barbecue fan myself. One thing I noticed in Austin, at least with, I think they brought in Rudy's that day when we were there for lunch. What's up with the lack of sauce in the actual barbecue? I know in places like, you know, North Carolina, Memphis, they're known for having sauce in the barbecue. And it right. seems like in Texas, it's really they let you put the sauce on. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I think it's a it's almost like barbecue is like a religion. Right. And it, it, it and there are you know, if, if you looked at barbecue as a religion, there's going to be denominations within that religion. You're going to have Texas barbecue. You're going to have Kansas City barbecue, Memphis, the Carolinas um, and Texas, for whatever reason, um, they they the smoke, the wood. 
uh, whatever they're doing to the meat itself, they take big pride in their beef in, in Texas. It's a lot of beef barbecue. It's not as much pork as you're going to find in some other parts of the country. Um, and they really want you to experience that smoke uh, flavor. And, and the. I don't think they want to compromise the integrity of, of the beef as well. That said, I'm a sauce guy. Me so, too. I, you know, uh, I feel big... like it's too dry without the sauce. I feel what they're doing with the flavor, and I, I get that they're respecting the meat. I just personally, when it comes to barbecue, I need sauce, Adam, or else I just I feel like it dries out. No, I'm, I'm with you, and, and we did have Rudy's catered in, and Rudy's is a chain, but it's very good. And in California, where we have absolutely no barbecue unless you're in your backyard on your own, um, Rudy's would be amazing. I mean, I think they would do a tremendous business here because we've got Dickie's, barbecue and then you know we've got just i'm a big sauce guy you're a big sauce guy the sauces out here are i mean they're it, it's literally pure cane sugar is what the sauces are out here with a little bit of vinegar um, no wonder but, it's so good yeah yeah but i'm a sauce guy too and in most of the spots in texas you can get the sauce um rudy's you know they dropped off some some big jugs of sauce and um i, I think some of the local texas boys probably looked at us like we were weird you oh, yeah, the guys st- were looking at us like we had our head chopped off there for sure. I, I yeah. had no idea what to even do with that stuff. One of my favorite restaurants also uh, just outside of Austin in Driftwood, Texas, is a place called The Salt Lick. Um, they've been featured on the Food Network and all, all those shows. Oh, I've seen that. World- I was wondering where I heard of that from. Yeah, the Food yeah, Network. World- That's awesome. World-renowned barbecue. Um, we didn't make it this year. They've kind of gone a little corporate. So they've opened some new locations. I believe they have a location in Las Vegas now. They're selling their sauces. They're selling their meat. You can buy it, uh, have it delivered to your door anywhere in the country within two days. And so the purists are a little skeptical of the Salt Lake. So if you ask a local Austin person about the Salt Lake, you're going to get varying responses. Some people are going to say, ah, they sold out. It's still one of my favorites. Um, and 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 they they provide a pretty nice selection of sauces. So um, and it's a great experience. It's about 45 minutes outside of the city. If you're going to Austin, I highly recommend you do the Salt Lake at least once. Uh, it's about a 45-minute drive. You go down this two-lane highway, um, and you end up in the dry in this dry county in the town of Driftwood. Um, and it's like a ranch. The Salt Lake is a ranch, and they, they've got a ton of smokers in the in the back. You park in a gravel parking lot. Uh, you walk in. You got to bring your own beer or wine or whatever it is you drink. Um, but you can, you can eat like a King and it's amazing. Wow. Um, I, I've got to try it out next time we go down there. And, you know, Adam, one thing with barbecue, obviously we could probably both attest to when it comes to delivery, it's not necessarily the best go-to what well, you're obviously with me, you know, neck deep in the delivery space. What are, what are your do's and don'ts when it comes to delivery? Since you're dealing with drivers all day, you that's probably a great, have a good spin on that. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, we, we do get delivery to the office quite a bit. We don't get delivery at the home quite as often. Uh, you know, I'm married. I got kids now. My wife, uh, if we ordered delivery every night, it would get pretty expensive. And I don't think she would let me do that. So we're doing a lot of cooking at home, but we still get delivery to the office. So number one, don't. Clearly a don't. Don't order French fries. French Thank fries you. do not travel well. You when are they going things. to travel well? Is there going to, I mean, I've been trying to create a delivery package in my head at least for years for fries. I think if, if you can somehow uh, put an air fryer in the, in a delivery bag and have the fries cook while they're being transported, there's a chance that they could show up hot and crispy and all of that. But when you order fries for delivery, they're going to show up as a, as really a soggy mess. And they, and they obviously they package them up. 
and they're sealed and they steam and, and steam sogs things up. And so when you get fries delivered, they're going to be soggy. Um, traditionally for delivery, I typically go with things that are good, lukewarm, right? Cause you're never going to get delivery. I mean, you might get things piping hot once in a while, but most of the time you're going to get things there. Just the, the law laws of physics. Yeah. Right. Things are going to be not quite as hot as, as if you were to get them in the restaurant. So you got to get things that taste good, even better when they're not piping hot. And so for me, that's Chinese food. That's Italian food. Um, certain types of Mexican food, I think, travel pretty well. But if, if, if we're ordering to the office, I'm typically going with uh, some sort of Asian cuisine or some sort of Italian cuisine. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Chinese leftovers or cold pizza either. And, you know, you exactly. can always reheat pizza. I usually add in one of my food hacks is... I'll have the oven preheated when I'm waiting on the food delivery to show up with pizza. And, you know, that way, right when he shows up, I'm throwing it right in the oven for a few That's minutes a and I'm good. To great go. idea. Fantastic idea. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I like I'm not crispy. I'm not a big salad guy either. So uh, I can't really, I can't really comment on the greens too much. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't typically eat that stuff one way or another. Um, but for me, I'm simple. I'm a real picky eater too. So I'm, I'm like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Um, so when I order, when I say Asian cuisine, that sounds really sophisticated. But what I really mean is orange chicken and steamed rice. <laughs> so you're not going with some kind of like crazy Thai dish, like a no. stir fry or something. No, I let, I let my wife do that. Man. <laughs> okay. You'll leave that. You'll leave that to letting her whip something up in the kitchen and set I eat like a seven year old. Yeah. I eat like a seven year old. I love it, man. I mean, dude, I, I feel like we all are creatures of habit when it comes to food like that. Do you have any crazy stories from drivers? Like, what's the craziest food story you've heard in your time at DDI? You must have the, something food related. Man. Yeah, most of the stories I hear about drivers are, are absolutely unrelated to food. Um, we did have, <laughs> and most of these stories are not good. So. Oh, of course not. I, it doesn't even have to be food related. If something stands out, I, I need to hear this. I mean, everyone will be pumped. Okay. So here is, uh, here's a story. Uh, it's, uh, I'll try to keep it, uh, PG 13 R rated. <laughs> uh, I get a call from a local client here in Orange County, uh, worked with a, a part of a large organization, a, a company that, that was acquired by Grubhub, uh, approximately five years ago. Uh, and I got a call from their South Orange County manager and South Orange County is where I live. It's where our office is. So he's about 10 minutes away. Mind you, I've got, you know, 3000 drivers working with a hundred different companies all over, all over the country. Um, and local manager calls me and says, uh, Hey Adam, uh, I got a situation here. I'm not sure what to do. I said, okay, what's going on? He's like, well, and he goes, let me go outside. And uh, he didn't want anybody to hear him. He says, well, I've got a driver. And he's parked behind my office. I said, okay. I go, what's he doing? He's, well, he's sleeping in the car. And uh, I'm not sure if I should wake him up. And I was like, well, why not just wake him up? And he's like, well, I went to the window to wake him up. And his uh, pants are down by his ankles. <laughs> and his underwear are as well. And he's got a portable DVD player that's on. And he's got a pornographic video uh, playing. <laughs> oh, boy. He's like, how do I handle this situation? And, uh, you know, there's there's nothing in the uh, IRS guidelines and any of the state rules as it relates to independent contractor compliance, which is what our focus is, <laughs> that deals with drivers sleeping in their car, watching pornography. 
Um, so what I advised him to do, because, you know, they're a larger company. I, they were concerned about press and things like that, is I told him to just call the police anonymously um, and let them know that there was somebody at your address um, passed out in their car. You were concerned for their safety. Um, and so an hour later, he called me back. He said, oh, thanks for helping me out. The cops came. He had overdosed on uh, prescription medication oh, and man. had passed out in the car. And needless to say, uh, that person uh, was no longer working with uh, with our client after that point. That was a one strike you're out type of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 recently uh, heard a story somewhat recently heard a story about uh, a customer called a customer that had ordered food and, and gotten something delivered to her home had, had called our client and um, told them that the delivery driver that delivered the food uh, about 30 seconds after leaving um, had found her on Facebook and messaged her and had asked her out and said she was the most beautiful thing ever. And that is crazy. Um, she was afraid and, and, and fearful. So, you know, you run background checks, you do everything you can, you do your due diligence. There are, millions and millions of delivery drivers out there and they're not all a players we'll just put it that way i mean you're gonna run into bad apples rotten apples once in a while right it happens it's a number yeah. game yeah for sure we've had um a, a common story and this is all, all this will be the last one of these but a common story i hear this about once a year and it's usually innocent mind you so i will preface this story by saying that this is innocent and it's the same story every time and i've heard this at least a dozen times in the 11 12 years that i've worked here at ddi is a driver will arrive at a restaurant and you guys did a great presentation and and dan really did a great presentation on this about um you know efficiently getting drivers to the restaurants when the food's ready and not too early and not too late and, and those types of things back before this technology uh, and, and we were able to, uh, you know, create algorithms to really help with this stuff. It was the restaurant says the food's going to be ready at 1130. So get there at 1130 and pick up the food. And so um, drivers would go to, you know, common story. Driver goes to the restaurant to pick up his order. They tell him that the food's not going to be ready for 10 minutes. So what does the driver do? Does he wait outside? Does he sit and play, you know, an app game on his phone? Or does he go to the bar and order a beer while he's waiting for the food? We had that, but remember in Denver, we had yeah, that situation. Yeah, it happens yeah. all the time. It, yeah, like I said, it happens. Uh, it happens all the time, and uh, in almost every case where I've spoken to the driver, I've gotten the same response. Like, I didn't know what to do. I had to wait ten minutes. There was a bar. I thought I'd have a beer. I didn't even think that I was driving and working at the time. Um, and so, uh, it's it's always funny though. It's it's. Uh, I don't know as a restaurant. Uh, person that I would that anything would even register in my head that delivery drive guy is uh, waiting for the food ordering a beer so props to the people that recognize that they shouldn't be doing that because I don't know that I would immediately uh, that that would immediately send off any red flags for me yeah if you're so caught up I know it's tough you know someone must be lingering there it's what I've been noticing lately Adam I don't know if you picked up on this trend is I order in a bunch and I've been noticing drivers showing up with groups sometimes of, you know, one other up to two to three other people where I, I don't know if they're on a training or it's just kind of a weird feeling when you have somebody dropping off a pizza and there's three people at the door. Yeah. Are they casing the joint? What's going on here? Right. Um, it's, it's a bit strange. Like I've seen, I get the whole waiter, waitress, apprentice thing at a restaurant, but 
Have you seen that being a thing with delivery drivers? I have. And it's uh, honestly, it's been one company that I've noticed that with. And it's happened a few times when I've ordered to the office. It's been with, can I say the company's name? It's a major brand. We don't. Yeah, why not? Sure. DoorDash. So I've used DoorDash before where where our office is located um, in Irvine, California. There's there's really no on demand delivery service that we can use just for one meal. Right. So most of the companies that operate here that are locally owned and operated, which I prefer to use, obviously, they at lunchtime, they've got order minimums in our market of one hundred dollars, seventy five dollars, two hundred dollars. So if I just want to get some orange chicken and steamed rice for myself because I got to work through lunch that day, I'm pretty much I got to use Grubhub. I got to use DoorDash. I got to use Uber Eats, one of those three services. And uh, typically in where we're located, DoorDash has more restaurants and it's just, you know, the necessary evil that I have to use. Um, So I've ordered DoorDash probably a dozen times in the last five years um, at my office. And uh, on multiple occasions, somebody has shown up with their kid or kids to my office. Have you had a pet yet show up to? I've not had a pet yet. I've had a couple of those. No, I will. I won't mention the company's name with where they were, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it was a free for all. Where was it at least dog. like a dog, like a yeah, a dog golden or... retriever? And I'm okay. thinking to myself, like, how is this acceptable? Yeah, uh, there's sanitation questions that come to mind and things like that. But and Adam, they've also lately been sticklers about, and I know you can probably shed some light on this with the whole gray area with the driver partner language, but. I've had Grubhub and DoorDash because, you know, where I live in Denver, I I would use ourselves if we operated here, but we're no longer in Denver. So I use the competitors and they will, the drivers will text me saying, oh, I'm not coming. I don't need to come up to your door. You need to come down. I'm not required to come up there. So it seems like now they're holding their ground on playing off that card of, oh, I can't be forced to show up at the door. And I, I, I've reached out to the companies and said, listen, and they've given me refunds on and credits for those things. But what's your stance on that? Because it seems like that's a red flag if, if to really get automation coming even sooner, in my opinion, with uh, delivery vehicles. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, I, one of the things, that we, as we were mentioning, you know, just where, where you're located in Denver, where I'm located in Orange County, our only real options are the big, you know, uh, VC backed large companies. Um, so as I mentioned, I I've used DoorDash, I've used Uber Eats, I've used Grubhub. I've never really had any issues with Grubhub. They tend to be more expensive than the other ones, um, at the end of the day, but, um, Uber Eats no longer. So we're on the fourth floor of our building. Um, it's a five floor building. Uh, there is a loading zone right in front of the entrance to the building. And it's probably from, door to elevator 20 yards and then up the elevator and then another 20 yards to our office and uber eats text me i ordered an uber eats order and the driver texts me i'm here i said great we're on we're on the fourth floor yeah it's like i ordered delivery here (laughs) come on up and he said no we're not we don't come up anymore and i said oh okay and so i had to go downstairs and go outside obviously it was it's it's you know when you're paying premiums for delivery you know i'm a big believer in in value and selling value and and determining what your value is and and sticking to that and i've always believed that you know if i'm going to get restaurant a restaurant restaurant quality food delivered to my home and i'm going to pay a premium price for that i'm fine with that however 
as soon as the convenience factor leaves and, and I have to do work in the transaction, then that value dissipates. So it's gone. I'd rather uh, just get pickup at that point. Uh, you know, don't even running a delivery service. I'm in the mindset of I'm starting to wonder and curious to hear your thoughts on this. But if this continues, I ask myself, am I better off having driver partners as employees? where I'm right. being able to actually dictate certain things that we can't now, such as, hey, to a consumer, you're going to pay a bit more with us, but we're guaranteeing your, you know, our drivers are coming to the door. You don't have to worry about maybe showing up outside, which I, I think is an interesting marketing tactic in itself. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, um, I think DoorDash drivers always come up to the office. Um, you know, that's 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 they, that's thing, Adam. They haven't been lately. Like I've seen that place. with Grubhub and DoorDash in Denver. Interesting, and maybe it's a maybe it's a function of the uh, you know independent contractor rights and things like that. I mean, there's always challenges. There's there's you bring up the employee versus contractor thing. There's red tape with employees too. Uh, and and they'll always with- make excuses either way. Like the, the ongoing thing I see here is, oh, I can't find parking anywhere, and I'll go down and there's parking all over the place. And you right. know, what do you at that point? It's already you're already down there, so the inconvenience they went over. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think uh, you know. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, we, we talk a lot about Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and Grubhub, this, you know, four headed monster of the gig economy and the food delivery space specifically and the rideshare space. They're, they're, they're pretty similar in how they operate. And there's there's pros and cons to both. I mean, I think, you know, to 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 take the pro side, one of the things that they've done is that's been great is they've brought a public awareness to what a gig worker is, what an independent contractor is. Um, and it, it's a lot easier now to explain to a new driver um, how everything works and, and getting them on board. And, and they, they come with an understanding, at least a, a, an elementary understanding of how everything works. And they so the, onboarding- the education, it's kind of like when we go into a market that's already saturated by one of them in the past, we had to educate everybody as much as we loved not having competition, now yeah. at least everybody knows about what we do. So it's yeah. easier to acquire a user. Yeah. And so, you know, there was, uh, I won't mention this company name, but I was talking to um, a friend of mine recently who runs a delivery service and uses employee drivers. And, um, you know, five, 10 years ago, he felt that they had a great advantage to using employee drivers because it was different and they didn't have to be independent contractors and things like that. And they felt like it was an easier sell and they were able to uh, attract applicants and onboard a higher percentage of drivers and their retention was really good and that's actually flipped recently with this education of the marketplace and the millions and millions of of people out there that have at least dabbled in this type of work we're dealing with a situation now where our data and the surveys we've done and of course we're surveying independent contractor people but 90 plus percent of people prefer the freedom that comes with being independent contractor um, and the, the financial flexibility and the tax ad advantages, obviously, that come with it as well, then prefer the, the, the W-2 side. And so um, we, we actually, uh, not in the food delivery space, but in, in retail delivery, we're having conversations with a company right now that they like employees, they want to do employees, but their drivers are saying that they want to be independent contractors. And they've been losing people to, to other organizations because of that specific issue. Um, and so for the first time ever, 
there are companies looking to switch to from employees to contractors, not just to save money, but to uh, to appease the workforce, which is interesting. And I never thought I would have saw that 10 years ago. I think you, you said it best. That's what these VCU back companies have done great for everybody is just shed light on it. And it's now not a stigma as much as it's a flexibility notion for people. And I think people are empowered with being able to set their own schedules. And, you know, I think it also depends on the person. I think an employee, it, it gives some people a sense of security depending mm-hmm. on, you know, the situation they're in in life. But it seems yeah. like we're in that era where people really love being in yeah. charge of their own lives. And that helps with this whole IC model. And Adam, where do you see this heading? Like I know at the convention that was touched upon briefly, but the whole driverless vehicle drone movement, we've kind of heard about it for a while. We know we've even seen in our Flagstaff market, Starship Technologies rolled out with the universities in the spring a few drones for campus restaurants, but where do you see that heading in with the mainstream? Well, I would tell you that I am not an expert on, on that subject at all. So I can only speculate and speculate. I will. And I have talked to some people that are pretty familiar. I've got a good friend whose brother is um, a robotics engineer um, and he's been building drones for a long time. My gut tells me, that it's way further out than than what people are um, saying. I, I don't believe that. Uh, first of all, I look at the liability, right? So I'm in the risk management business, for better or worse. And I look at the liability, and you could have drones delivering packages, and that sounds great. But what happens when a drone loses power when it's you know 75 feet in the air and it falls and it lands on a two year old's head? Um, and, and that two-year-old is killed or, or sent to the hospital in, in really bad shape. That is going to happen. See, that don't you abs- think, I wonder, I always think of this more as ground drones than flying drones when it comes to couriers. I just, I don't, I know exactly what you mean. I don't think it's practical where this initial concept came out of drones. I think people just jumped at the whole flying notion, yeah. but isn't it more realistic to think of this on the ground, if anything, if that's ever even going to be a thing? Yeah, I mean, and certainly, and so, you know, my perception uh, to this point has been flying drones, but you bring up a good point. And I think uh, in certain densely populated urban areas, the ground drones make sense where they can um, be loaded up at a restaurant and go three blocks and, you know, make a couple of lefts and show up at a doorstep. Um, that, that I think in certain, I, I think you have to have the right geographic location for that to, to work efficiently. Certainly now, um, uh, you know, Manhattan, San Francisco, downtown Chicago, those areas, Seattle, even like today. retirement communities where you have like, you know, areas that are able to be tested and very controlled. Yeah. Very controlled environments. I think that works. In terms of the the driverless vehicles, I mean, I, I'm more optimistic about that technology working safely than I am about the, the flying drone technology, at least. Well, when you have um, everyone texting, too, with human error, when you think about it, I think we're already at that point. When you right. like, I'm at my gym and I'm watching outside in rush hour, half the people are looking down at their phones when they're in the driver's seat. It's crazy. Absolutely. I, I think there you're probably going to be we're probably going to be dealing with um, politics, because if you replace, you know, as, as much as the government likes to, you know, depending on what side of the aisle they're on, likes to, um, you know, disparage 
these gig companies um, for their treatment of workers, what are they going to do when Uber doesn't have drivers anymore? I don't know how many Uber drivers there are today in the, in the States, probably three, four, 500,000 of them that are active on the app. What are they going to do when, when those people are out of work, when Domino's and Pizza Hut and Papa John's no longer employ delivery drivers because they've got autonomous vehicles? Um, you're going to have a whole lot of people out of work. And I, me, I'm fine with that. Industries, philosophically, uh, there are industries from 100 years ago that do not exist today, and we were all better for it. Technology is amazing. It makes our lives better. It makes things more convenient when used appropriately. Um, but the, the government doesn't typically see things that way. And especially when you deal with a, 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 you know, a democratic republic where there's a lot of pandering for votes and things like that, there's going to be a segment of, of the population that are going to be opposed to autonomous vehicles just because what it means to the workforce. And that's, yeah, where, you get in, I, that's it, where you get into conversations about UBI and things like that. I was just going to mention that because we've never like I was going to bring up the cash register as an example in history of something that was automated and led to more jobs. But we've never seen so much of the population reliant on the gig economy. Like That's been one, you know, not necessarily a negative, but when you really look at the scope of things, you bring up a great point where you can't really shelf technology forever, which it seems like it's starting to become with driverless based on that problem, where are people going to be working? And yeah, I think the universal basic income has to be addressed and it could make sense. That's when you start hearing more about the world currencies and, you know, Facebook rolling out their own global coin next year. I think a lot of these things, Adam, the dots are connecting where it could be a better thing for the world. We just have to look at it like this is the era we're in instead of worrying about, oh, no one's going to have jobs. Maybe right. there's a reason for that and we're better off for it. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that, that might end up being the case. I think uh, my, my pessimism in terms of how quickly these things are going to happen um, really has to do with government, really. I mean, it doesn't move fast. It moves very slowly. And the, the political process and the legislative process, is it's, it, it moves at the pace of a, of a turtle. It really does. By, you know, when, when laws are, when bills are passed, they're typically uh, appealed and sent to court. And depending on the nature of, of, of the, the legislation and things like that, I mean, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, if, in California, just as a, an example, it has nothing to do with technology. But if you are a company in California and you use independent contractors and you go through the audit process where the state tries to reclassify those workers as employees, um, it, but it, it will take four years before you even get before a judge and, and make your case. And then it'll take another six months before a decision comes. And then after that decision comes, either party can appeal again, and it's gonna take another three or four years before it gets to the Supreme Court. So um, I, I just would foresee a whole lot of administrative uh, haggling that is going to push any implementation. It's gonna slow the implementation down of technology. Um, and it's it's going to take a lot longer than people think. That's my perception. Um, again, I'm speculating. I, I'm not an expert on this stuff. Um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I think there will be human beings delivering food for at least the next decade or two. You heard it, folks, from the expert himself. I mean, Adam has dealt with more delivery drivers than 
anyone I know personally. I mean, he's helped us get out of some pickles with driver partner situations. And yeah, Adam, you do an awesome job, man. You, your job is very difficult. And uh, obviously, you know, I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. One thing I wanted to leave you with, if your last meal on earth, you know, anything, all throw everything in there. What are you going with? Oh, that's a great question. Now, I th- now this is this is going to sound ridiculous, um, and I, I I did I did mention uh, about twenty minutes ago that I eat like a seven year old. I, I love it. Let's hear uh, it. And I don't know if you have Carl's Jr. in 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 Denver. I, I know that's a big California thing. I don't think it is in Denver. At least I haven't seen it around. All right. So Carl's Jr. is in California and on the West Coast. Um, everywhere else, I think it's Hardee's. Um, but they're the same company, essentially. Great biscuits. And Carl's Jr., while I'm not a fan of their menu, um, you know, in aggregate, I will say that the double Western bacon cheeseburger is the greatest hamburger that's ever been invented. Well, um, Adam, you've made a couple bold statements on this podcast. This yeah. First with the pizza and now this. Wow. Yeah. The I double Western bacon cheeseburger. I, I eat probably one of these every year. Um, it's, you know, it's 1700 calories, I think in, in one. Is it, you're like, is it a birthday present to yourself? Type oh of thing? man, it is so good. It's two patties. It's uh, three slices of bacon, two onion rings, cheese, barbecue sauce. We, we were, it's, I'm a sauce guy too. It comes with a, a great sauce for the burger. I don't know that I would use the sauce on any form of barbecue, but on the hamburger, it's amazing. I would definitely get one of those. Um, yeah, you wash it, it down be, with a milkshake. I would probably, yeah, I'm not a big sweets guy, but a milkshake is, you know, I, I love Coke zero, man. I probably drink uh, a case of Coke zero every week. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like I said, man, seven year old, I eat like nine things. <laughs> I eat like, I eat steak. I eat hamburgers. I eat uh chicken. I eat steak. And, and that's about it. <laughs> that's well, Adam, about- if there's an apocalypse, at least we know it'll be easy to keep you fed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. You were great. And uh, thanks for shedding so much light on the industry. And we'll definitely have you on again soon. Keep crushing. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, man. Of course. Have a great day. All right, bud. Take care.